live from the Empire of Lies. Once again, it's time for the show that is a bastion of free speech, truth, and great discussion in the vast oasis. Forgive me, in the vast wasteland that is the New World Order. We are the oasis. We're looking at the wasteland, unfortunately. A great show today. I'm Lee Stranahan, and it is Carmine Mundy. And we have Carmine Xavier with us on the backstory. Wait, do we have Carmine? We do. Hey, Carmine, how you doing? Oh, uh, you know, man, chilling, doing good. How are you? I was fine. I, I had a great weekend anticipating World War III being started by Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan. I'm sure like everyone, I, I thought I, uh, about World War III. You, Carmine? I did. I have my thoughts on it. Um, I was thinking to myself, and I said this um, to the people at work this weekend. I said, I don't know, I, I spell a Franz Ferdinand situation here. And, um, but I'll tell you this, and this is where you and I will disagree. I think it was a bad idea to start with. But once she decided she was going, the second China said, you better not go, at that point she has to go and I support her. Now, back so, so what principle do you think is that the principle to throw a hissy fit? It's the principle that we're not going to let China tell our leaders what they are allowed to do. I stand why, 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 do, why are you on China's uh, uh, opposite side as opposed to Nancy Pelosi? What has China done to you? Nancy Pelosi is a thief and a criminal, and she should be tried in a court. She should not be supported in any way, shape, or form. She's a completely corrupt American politician who does not represent you or your interests in any way. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and as soon as she comes back home, I'm on top of her like white on rice. But I will not have, it could be Mexico. I'm not going to have any other country tell an American what they're allowed to do or where they're allowed to visit. Taiwan is, is an independent state. You can't tell somebody they can't go visit an independent state. That'd be like Mexico being like, hey, you better not go to Guatemala. How can you do that? So a country doesn't have a right to say we don't want you here? A, a, a place doesn't have a right I, to say we don't want you here. Why Absolutely. is it Taiwan's right more than the people of China? Taiwan is China. But right? your opinion. Taiwan's an independent state. I see it as an independent state. But it's it's not. In fact, it's part but of it China. We agreed to the one China policy. In fact, we Taiwan agreed to didn't it. Agree to it. Taiwan didn't agree to it. We also left yes, the one did. China policy vague. We also left the one China policy very vague. We didn't say who would be in charge of that one China. Well, that's not China's fault. China is very clear. China is very clear that Taiwan is part of China. Taiwan could not be clearer on that. So any doubt about that is people in the U.S. saying it. Agreed? But that, that's China. That, that, yes, but that is that. So no, it's also people in Taiwan saying it. People in Taiwan don't believe they're part of China. So if if California seceded from the How Union tomorrow, please. Who told you that? Who told you that? Talk to 
call someone in Taiwan right now. Rod, get someone from Taiwan on the phone. No, don't do if that. Taiwan, if Taiwan, if Taiwan thinks they're part of China, then why don't they just give it up and say, all right, we're, we're why, back in? Why do you know what Taiwan thinks, Carmine? I ask you that. Why do you think you know what the hell Taiwan thinks? Because the media here in the U.S. tells you they do a good job of conveying the views of other people. Well, now I think that if Taiwan wanted to be part of China, they'd be part of China, wouldn't they? I mean, that's... It's pretty as far as I know, they are part of China. I'm uh, I'm not hearing it's part. I'm hearing it's not part of China from you, Carmine. Taiwan has it's an independent state. They have their own economy. They have their own government. They're not subject to the laws of 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 China. If somebody commits a murder in Taiwan, they don't get tried by the Chinese. You you. I don't know the way the laws work in Taiwan, exactly. And so you're saying something that I don't know is true. And I don't know that you know it's true. Well, China currently, China claims it as a province of China, but the current Taiwan administration says it's an independent country. Well, if Texas were to declare its independence, or some people within Texas were to say they were an independent country, that would not make them so, correct? I mean, Taiwan has would, not gone through a process. Taiwan has not gone through a process of independence. Am I correct? As far as I know. Right. So, and this is why I wanted. To, discussion at the, the top of the show. I'm sure we'll continue it, but we let's talk about the show. We have a great show today. Mark Sloboda for joining us in a few minutes from Moscow, our expert on all things Russian and Ukraine. Mark Sloboda in the first hour. Then in the second hour, look forward to this. Tyler Nixon is joining us, Carmine. We're joined by the great oh, Tyler awesome. Nixon. Patriot, what were you saying about Tyler? I said awesome. I love Tyler. Yeah. So it should be a great show. And what, in fact, is the name of the show, Carmine? This is The Backstory. Now, to, so, to, what I understand you don't like is you seem to think that being an American gives you some special magic you're covered in magical power. You get to do anything you freaking want to do. And it's very well, no, I, American of you. But I would, I, think, I'll, I would think a Russian. Stop I would like think an arrogant American, to Carmine. If a Russian, if a Russian does not want to get to go wherever she wants. No, there's nothing magic about her. If, but you, you're, you're, mis, no, you're totally misconstruing me. If a Russian or a, a, a German wanted to go to Mexico and we said you can't go there, I would expect them to give us the finger. Why? They have no right. Because we would have no right to tell them where they can and cannot go. Why not? Why? Because they're going, they're going to an independent nation. How can we tell them you can't go to said no, independent they're, nation? They're, Ch- China says they're going to China and button their nose in, and she is. She's buttoning her big nose and opening her big well, yap. No, she shouldn't have never did it to begin with. That she doesn't know anything about. 
She should have never did it to begin with. But after they said you can't and you better not, if you back down now, you might as well just put your tail between your legs. You're weak. If you back down now, then the yappy Democrats might do what they want to do in the future. Is that what you're suggesting? I didn't I didn't catch that. I'm sorry. That yappy Democrats might get to do whatever they want to do in the future. And yes, I agree. Yappy Democrat officials acting on their own who have no right to make foreign policy at all get to do whatever so they want. There's, two different, there's several different things at play here. Now, there are the United States, Canada, the Vatican, a bunch of different places recognize Taiwan as an independent country. Almost all of South America, I believe. No, wait, no, I'm sorry. That is incorrect. Those places do not recognize Taiwan. Even the United States doesn't recognize Taiwan as an independent country. That's a little right. more prickly. Right. And that that's completely pertinent. The United States does not recognize it as a country. So everything you're saying about it being an independent country is an argument. But it's an argument against fact right now. Right now, the United States does not recognize Taiwan as a separate country. So China is saying— only 13 and does China countries have do, a right to say, small. right, and we recognize China. China has a right to say who can and can't come into the country. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. And if we're saying— Do you think the Mexicans if, should come into the country just because we're telling them they can't come in and it's illegal? No, this is— if, this is a if they don't get a visa, just to show us <laughs> that they have magic Mexican power. Well, they do, but What's that you no. This is this is a different situation than when I first got on this on this show tonight because I thought we recognized them as independent. We do not. That's a big difference right. because then we're admittedly going into China unwelcome. That's right. that's a that's a difference. That is a difference. That and that's so, actually so, a mistake. And so your position now is. I what? still don't want them to shoot her down. Yeah. Well, I, on the other hand, say that Nancy Pelosi gets what she gets. She is pushing this situation and furthermore playing a game with it. Did you see she didn't announce her schedule at a certain point? She stopped saying whether she would or wouldn't go to Taiwan. And I also recognize that, um, yeah, she stopped doing that. I also recognize that the Pentagon told her it was a bad idea and not to do it. Yes. And let's take a break, and then we'll talk to Mark Sobot about everything going, because there's a ton of stuff going on with Russia and Ukraine now, currently. You following everything over there, Carmine? I am. That's, that was different. Like, and it's interesting because when we went into Ukraine, when Pelosi and McConnell went into Ukraine, I was actually very against that. You're walking into the middle of a war zone, and if you get hit, that's on you. Yes. And let's take a short break, and when we come back straight out of Moscow, our great friend Mark Sloboda giving us an update on things with Russia and Ukraine on The Backstory. 
and we're back on the backstory and on the radio on 105.5 FM AM 1390 in the Washington, D.C. area. Joined now by great friend of the show, author, writer, and geopolitical analyst, straight out of Moscow, Mark Sobota is with us. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Lee, Jason, thanks for having me. It's always an honor and pleasure to be on The Backstory. Good. You're on with Carmine today. Just letting you know, know that, Mark. I'm so, sorry. Yep. No, no problem. He's very happy to see you. Carmine? We're here, you. Carmine? We're here, you. You guys can't hear me? I can hear yeah, you. Yeah, we, we, we hear you, Carmine. Oh. So, so Mark, first off, what's going on with the situation with the prisoners, the POWs, the Ukrainian POWs, whose prison apparently was hit by a missile attack? Who is behind that attack? Yeah, I'm, it, it, there's no question of who was behind that attack because it was done with U.S.-supplied HIMARS. Uh, it was the Zelensky regime. Uh, and the reason they were targeted is because they started talking. They started blabbing their mouths about the atrocities they committed and, uh, you know, the uh, various signals, green lights and commands they were given from up above, leading right up to Zelensky's office uh, itself. So um, they were dealt a blow. And uh, there's no question Zelensky is happy to use the neo-Nazi battalions uh, in Ukraine. Uh, as you know, useful uh, for uh, his regime, and they believe they were using him all along uh, for for much for advancing their agenda. There wasn't any love lost necessarily between the two of them, um, and um, they were potentially at some point a restriction on. Zelensky's room for maneuver in the country. Um, and if they um, fought hard and killed some Russians, um, then their usefulness is now over and they're best off removed from the table rather than blabbing their mouths. Now, who is Ukraine blaming for this? Ukraine is saying it, it would be the most inefficient Russian move of the entire military action. Because it seems to me, if the Russians are holding him prisoner, they could go up to the cell with a rifle and take care of that a lot cheaper and safer than launching a missile. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, if they had wanted to kill them, they could have just killed them all at Azov stall, and no one would really know for the wiser. They didn't have to take them as prisoners of war. Um, they didn't, uh, you know, keep them. Uh, the International Committee for the Red Cross, uh, you know, w w was visiting them as 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 prisoners of war. There is no talk of any of the type of abuse that we have actually regularly seen from the Kiev regime against the Russian uh, prisoners that it has captured, uh, including videotapes regularly made of Russian troops being shot, tortured, and killed. Uh, they, they, they filmed them and 
put them online themselves because they're quite proud of it and and they regard it as some type of psychological warfare. Um, so the Kiev regime. Yes, and I pointed out that Stefan Bandera himself had psychological problems. He used to put wooden stakes under his fingertips when he was in school to prepare himself for the torture he'd face. It's a Gordon Liddy kind of move. But Bandera used to torture himself, and Banderites are known as being sadistic. Are they not? I Certainly their politics, I would say, the fascist politics, predisposes them towards uh, such a psychological condition. Yes, that's right. Now, now, and typically this move of blaming Russia for things that they're doing, this is one of their plays, right? Oh, yeah, They've I mean, continually. Consistently. Continually. I mean, just, just continually. I mean, almost anything that they accuse Russia of doing is, is almost certainly uh, well, one, disinfo, and two, pure projection of something that they are doing. Now, uh, Carmine Sabia, we're joined on Carmine Monday by Carmine. Do you have any questions for Mark Sabota? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to have a war is going. Is there an end in sight? You know, what's it looking like right now? Yeah, I mean, no, you should not expect an end in sight. This will uh, almost certainly go on for months, probably years. I mean, this this is not something years, that is really. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, but there's no um, chance. No chance Ukraine comes to its senses anytime soon and, and surrender. No, I mean, they would not be allowed to. I mean, there are so many forces. First of all, the U.S. and the U.K. Uh, don't want them to surrender. Right. You have to. There's two motivations here. One is to weaken Russia's military, and they've been quite open about this. Uh, Secretary Austin oh, yeah, spoke specifically that, yes. about. That. Yeah, but more importantly, they want as many Ukrainians to die as possible. Now, why do they want that? Because if Russia then either liberates this territory and helps the repressed political forces of East Ukraine regain power, um, or um, you know, they they hold referendums and the people choice uh, to join Russia itself, as um, you know, they have suggested could be done in Zaporozhye and Kherson, uh, imitating what happened in Crimea. Russia has has got to govern this process, uh, this area, right? It, it has to win back the hearts and minds of those Ukrainians that it lost during the last eight years of civil conflict in Ukraine, but. Um, every Ukrainian soldier that dies, and you have to remember that they have a largely forced conscript army, essentially every Correct. male in the country between the ages of 16 and now 75, it has increased oh. from 60 to 70. Yeah, you, you know they're winning when you increase the conscription age from uh, um, 60 to 75, yes. <laughs> um, you know, that, what that's I'm shocked what they, at too is we say we stand for all these principles, but yeah. we're supporting a country who forces people into their military. Yeah, but every one of them that dies is most likely a family that hates Russia forever. Wh whatever the circumstances, whatever they felt before, whether they were you know uh, pro uh, Maidan, pro uh, uh, Russia, or apathetic, and you know just trying to get through life. If Russian soldiers kill their sons, their brothers, their uncles, uh, th that's going to predispose them towards a, a, a negative 
uh, feeling. There's no question about that. So they hope that Russia will never be able to win back the hearts and minds uh, of the peop- the majority of the people of Ukraine, especially outside of eastern Ukraine. So uh, the more Ukrainians that die in the process, the more difficult it is uh, for for uh, Russia uh, to either uh, govern there or to put in place a government allied with them, uh, you know, representing the political forces of East Ukraine. Uh, either way, it becomes extremely difficult. Now, you mentioned Kherson. Isn't there a, a major Ukrainian offensive? I'm reading about it in the Western media, after all, and they never lie. The Western media says that Ukraine is doing a major counteroffensive in Kherson region. So that must be true since the media said it, right, Mark? Yeah, they've got a billion-man army. Uh, They're all Jedi Knights, and they're led by the ghost of Kiev and the martyrs of Snake Island. Right. (laughs) And so so what actually is going on in Kherson? Because there is some sort of counteroffensive, it seems. The Ukrainian military is doing something, but... It's not successful. A, a counteroffensive, right, is a strategic thing. They're not capable of that because the Kiev regime military forces are not capable of combined arms maneuver, right? They they, they simply don't have the men with training left. They don't have the gear. They don't have uh, any type of air force. They don't have any armor. Uh, all Most of the artillery and ammunition, you know, uh, shells for it at this point is a trickle supplied by the West. They, they're, they're simply incapable of it. Uh, and the attrition rates... That They've suffered on their trained military units are by their own numbers, but, you know, by their own commanders reporting 70 to 80 percent of what they started with. And the rest has been filled in with conscripts with guns shoved in their hands and three days of training. Uh, So there's lots of reports from Western mercenaries in, in Kiev who have since fled that uh, the the new conscripts being sent to the front are being sent with one AK-47 assault rifle between two of them. <laughs> that that's how bad things are so in some places. In Kherson, what what they seem to be doing, the Ukrainians seem to be going after bridges, and there's a few bridges that are there's one that's a major rail bridge, but they don't seem to have really harmed that one. That was a Stalin-era USSR-built, and it's solid bridge. The rail bridge does not seem to be affected. And that's strategically more important, because I understand that Russia is doing a lot of resupply through the rail system. Is that correct, Mark? Yeah. So Kherson City itself, uh, you know, is across the Dnieper River, right? So there's bridges that connect that with the rest of the Ukrainian territory uh, that Russia controls in the south, leading down to Crimea and to the east of that, leading uh, to the Donbass. Um, so theoretically, if Kiev severed all three of the major bridges in that area, that would make resupply of any defending uh, Russian and allied Donbass forces in Kherson more vulnerable, right? Um, so they've been they've been uh, hitting the bridges there. Um, 
and they've they've had some success uh, uh, damming, da- uh, damaging the major bridge, but these bridges, uh, it's it's all superficial damage, right? It's not structural damage. It's they've put potholes in roads, uh, things that can be repaired in you know a few days or at most a couple weeks time, uh, and they've successfully managed to damage at least two of the three bridges. One of them is definitely out of use at the moment for civilian traffic. It's being repaired. But Russia has also constructed two pontoon bridges and has a pontoon ferry service already in place uh, for civilian traffic. Um, And, uh, you know, any dreams of complicating resupply. Again, Kiev has massed some forces in Krivoy Rog, north of Kherson, an industrial area. But they don't have the gear to conduct conduct a real counteroffensive. And they are continually getting pounded by Russian artillery. This is flat open terrain. This isn't like the close urban agglomerated areas of the industrial zone of the Donbass of East Ukraine. This does not favor uh, the Kiev regime forces who who don't have you know where, where the Russians have air superior uh, air dominance or air superiority in regions uh, have a 10 to 15 to one artillery advantage etc. It's suicide. They continue to make some probing attacks right. It nothing that has amounted to a counteroffensive. And the word is is that the commander of uh, the Kiev regime's military forces, Zhdani, um, he is arguing uh, vociferously with Zelensky that any a, a real attempt at a counteroffensive would just be mass suicide uh, of Kiev's conscripts and territorial defense forces because they're not capable of taking territory back. And um, now, this, this, this is important. You're saying that, that one of Zelensky's top generals. His top general. He's arguing. Yes, his top general. That that is. He's arguing yes. against the Kursan offensive. That has. That's your saying, Mark. Yeah, that has been known for several weeks now, but there also seems to be immense uh, political pressure from the U.S., the U.K., the West, NATO, that is supplying uh, Kiev with everything at this point. Right. Uh, Energy, uh, weapons, ammunition, funding. Right. Uh, Everything is funded by Western taxpayers at this point to the score of, you know, well over, you know, 100 billion dollars total at this point. Um, And they they are insisting that Kiev do something and show some return for the money, achieve some type of victory to justify, you know, the continued IV drip of support to the regime. And Mark, does that, there's rumors, and again, a lot of these come on Russian Telegram or someplace like that, but there are rumors that Zelensky is facing an assassination attempt. And there's rumors. Yeah. So talk about that, Mark. What's the what's the reality? According to the Kiev regime itself, Zelensky has survived at least 12 assassination attempts uh, since since the intervention started. Now, we have no way of knowing 
if this is true, uh, but certainly the last one was just a, a couple of weeks ago, and that was coming from one of his own advisors, presidential advisors, who announced that on, on social media. Um, and, you know, there is a lot of political forces in Ukraine that don't like him, right? First of all, there's everyone, which is essentially half the country that opposed the Maidan, right? The people of East Ukraine. There's also a lot of oligarchs. Uh, you know, he, he has his oligarch supporter, but he has also crossed oligarchs as well. And in particular, um, he charged the former Kiev regime president, the one directly after the Maidan, Poroshenko, the candy oligarch with treason. Um, so there's a political axe there to grind between them and the oligarchs that supported Poroshenko. And surprisingly enough, one of the oligarchs who supported Poroshenko just ended up dead in the last couple of days. The Kiev regime says that his house was targeted by a Russian missile. That seems somewhat unlikely. And um, uh, there is a lot of talk uh, that the damage was actually done by an explosive um, and that um, Zelensky is taking advantage of the opportunity to eliminate uh, all political opponents in the country. And it could probably be said that it's probably a like, uh, you know, likely that a lot of them are or have been trying to get rid of him as well. Well, and let's talk about what we can say with some certainty. It's been obvious that Zelensky wants to get rid of Poroshenko. That's been obvious for months. He says much, but he's been unable to do it. Poroshenko is still around. What's up with that? Why can't Zelensky get rid of Poroshenko? Because the West, the the West uh, told him to just knock that whole bit off because it's making uh, you know Ukraine look bad the way they're trying to to present it. That was a, a clear command from the U.S. from the U.K. Knock off the persecution. Uh, you've got more important things to worry about. We want you focused on Russia. So that 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 is directly, undoubtedly, where that came from. And we've had U.S. diplomats say as much that the, you know they 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 feel that this is unproductive, um, which is you know a kind way of. Do you have a feeling that there are people on the American side who would actually prefer Poroshenko in there to Zelensky? Do you think that some Americans would prefer for prefer the, the chocolate oligarch yeah. to the committee. Definitely there was in the in the beginning, but I think that uh, Zelensky with his acting and comedic training has has become the the global figurehead that they need at this point. And his, you know, Jewish ancestry you know, prevents this convenient, uh, you know, propaganda talking point that he can't possibly have state armed and funded neo-Nazi battalions because his daddy is Jewish. Right. Because, you know, that's that's the way that really works. Uh, so I, I don't think they could get rid of him if they wanted to. Certainly he has not been quite as cooperative with them 
they've had very complicated Thai uh, relations with the oligarch uh, uh, that uh, is Zelensky's patron, Kolomoisky. So th- there is some complication, but I think they're now completely locked into each other. Um, if if Zelensky vanished, I uh, you know was was killed. I think it would be very hard for the West to to find a figurehead to rally around the way they have Zelensky, and Zelensky can't survive without the West. And we have to remember that a lot of the his own neo-Nazi forces now blame Zelensky. Right? They blame him for uh, um, hanging Azov out to dry and Azov stall. And now, but you know, it is almost certain that some of them, uh, you know, understand that it was really him that that blew up their fascist comrades at the uh, POW camp um, in uh, territory. And but they knew exactly down to the barracks. Right? They actually. Um, <laughs> Uh, negotiated with the Donetsk People's Republic on where the prisoner of war camp would be. So they knew exactly what it was that they were hitting when they hit it and w- you know where to hit it. I mean, they've been bombing Donbass for eight years. So, you know, they, they, they have bombing that area down to a science. Um, but uh, so there's, no, there's no doubt that they knew what they were hitting there. And there are lots of people in Azov that, you know, whatever their twisted political ideology uh, have got to realize that. And uh, I think there's no small number of ultranationalists who also want Zelensky dead. So he's got a lot of political enemies. I would be very, very surprised if he does survive through the course of this conflict, however long it does. Uh, It would surprise me. Now, so, and, and it's worth pointing out in the issue of Zelensky being Jewish and therefore he can't be supporting neo-Nazis. The main person who supports Zelensky is Kolomoisky, the oligarch who was both obviously Jewish and a big supporter of the Azov Battalion, correct? Yeah. Who's Kolomoisky? Yeah, Azov and several of the other battalions, not uh, uh, Idar, Tornado. Yeah, he's he's funded several of them from the beginning, yes. And apparently he, he didn't get the memo. He's also an Israeli citizen, so. Yes, right, right. And he, he didn't get the memo, if you're an Israeli citizen, you shouldn't be supporting a neo-Nazi, apparently. He didn't get that memo, but Zelensky did. And he says it over and over again. In fact, I saw him on CNN the other day. Wolf Blitzer was actually asking Zelensky, how does it make you feel? Does it hurt your feelings when they accuse you of being a Nazi and you're Jewish? And apparently it hurts his feelings. Yeah. Um, No no one accuses him of being a Nazi. They accuse him of having state armed and funded neo-Nazi battalions and pinning hero of Ukraine members on Nazis. Right there. The distinction may be uh, arguably, you know, fine for some people who would consider that makes him a Nazi. But no one's saying that he is an ideological Nazi, simply that he uses them and large numbers of people in his government, in the Rada, right? He himself has signed bills glorifying, um, uh, you know, dozens of 
Holocaust perpetrators and Nazi collaborators as heroes of the country, celebrating their birthdays as national holidays, including Stepan Bandera. He himself said of Stepan Bandera, lots of Ukrainians thinks he's a hero, and that's normal, and that's cool. No, okay, Volodymyr, it is not cool to think that, uh, you know, someone responsible for uh, Holocaust perpetration and a Nazi collaborator un uh, up to his death is is cool. No, it is not cool. It is not normal. It is a egregious rewriting of history and Holocaust denial. And if that makes you a capo, then let's call it what it is. Stephen King thinks it's cool. Yes. So yes. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah, I, I did a, a piece on Stephen King myself on my own um, uh, YouTube uh, uh, video channel. So I, anyone who's interested in in my opinion on that can see me um, talk about exactly what the problem uh, with with Stephen King's um, complete ignorance of of both history and current events in Ukraine uh, and why that's such a problem. Now, Carmine Sabia. What say you, sir? Any comments, any questions for Mark Sobota? I'm just listening. I, I learn a lot on here because I'm not as abreast in the uh, in what's happening over there as much as you guys are. But uh, I guess I, I had one question, but I think he answered it, which is, you know, who's really running the war for Ukraine? And I, I think the answer is the United States is actually running the war, not Zelensky. Am I correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, it, it's it's been pretty clear for a long time. I mean, you the Kiev regime forces in the field are actually using U.S. supplied computer tablets, right, um, that have are updated by real time U.S. satellite information. And there are, according again, to the Western media, uh, the Washington Post, which revealed it, there are CIA and NATO special forces on the ground, right? And they are making sure that the weapons get into the Kiev regime's forces' hands, that they know how to use them, right? And they are dictating what Russian forces are hit according to that, you know, these apps, this this uh, combat data, and how they are hit. They're running this war, right? They are. This is uh, NATO trained, NATO supplied, NATO intelligence, NATO directed proxies uh, that 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 Russia is fighting at this point. Russia is fighting NATO. Now, Mark Yeah, go, go ahead. No, I was saying that's how I see it as well. I, I feel like. Yeah, it's not a That's question. That's my one big drawback about Pelosi, you know, going to Taiwan is, uh, you know, how many fight, uh, you know, if Taiwan and Russia, if if China and Russia get together. China That's not good news for the United States. China and Russia are together. I mean, well, they've been yeah, pushed together well, for a long time well, now. They are. They say. I mean, militarily. They, they they say that their relationship is stronger than an alliance. I mean, that's. <laughs> it's now. Let me, since you're bringing up Taiwan, I want to talk to you about this, Mark. And it seems to me that because you're an expatriate American, I, you are I'm, able to. Actually, to, I'm and 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 I emigrated from the U.S. to Russia, so technically I'm a Russian citizen. Right, you're a Russian citizen, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Because you were raised in America. Yes. Uh, you, it seems to me like you're able to see America. With a somewhat objective view, it seems to me that a lot of people who grew up someplace but don't live there anymore 
see it more objectively than the people who might live there in some ways, because they're not dealing with the pressures of being part of that country, but they're seeing what the country does. Does that make sense? Sure. And I Do you also feel have- like as an expert? Yeah, and I yeah, also go have ahead, six Mark. years of military service. They'll let me see a side of the U.S. that not everyone else sees either. So, No, right. So when I know what I think of this situation with Nancy Pelosi and China, and who would have thought that World War III could be started by Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> I'm just going to point that out. It's a little weird. But what? how do you view this situation? between Nancy Pelosi and China. And it seems to me it's obviously pushed by the Biden administration using Nancy Pelosi as a proxy in their war against China. Yeah, I Do you mean, agree with that? I, I mean, I, let, let's face it. There is, bipolit- there is bipartisan political consensus on uh, you know the U.S. Uh, provoking, antagonizing, confronting China. Right? There is no one in Washington who doesn't support that. That that is universal. Whether it's Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden or Donald Trump or Mitchell or or anyone else, they all support this. Right? Um, it's 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 complete across the board. Um, and I mean, this there there is a, a long history of this, right? Technically, the U.S. recognizes Chinese sovereignty over Taiwan, that that Taiwan is part of China, but they've had this strategic policy of strategic ambiguity, where in reality. They are and have been supporting Taiwanese separatism, uh, most importantly with with you know uh, tens of billions of dollars of weapons uh, for decades now, and they have recently, in the last decade especially, adopted a kind of salami slicing tactics towards moving the United States towards a political recognition of an independent Taiwan, where they keep backing up. We've had Joe Biden twice, at least now, come right out and say that the if that the U.S. will uh, support uh, Taiwan in a conflict with China and then walk it back and say, oh, our policy hasn't changed. And I, I Joe Biden may be senile, but he's not that senile, right? This is a clear tactic of signaling to China while trying to maintain the political status quo while the U.S. continues its Asian pivot and building up its military forces uh, in the West Pacific uh, that it seems sees as necessary to beat China off its own coastline. And one of those is the placement of land-based uh, intermediate-range ballistic missiles um, uh, within the theater there on, 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 on Guam, uh, southern Japan, and elsewhere, because they think that uh, China has a missile advantage uh, and it will cut their carriers down uh, very quickly, and they're trying to even that out. It's a it's a race 
as as military forces, naval and air forces are, you know, built up on both sides of this there. But this is another one of those salami slicing tactics where they're trying to say that if the Speaker of the House visits Taiwan, even though the U.S. technically recognizes it as part of China against China's wishes, it's no big deal while trying to present it as some type of overreaction on the Chinese side. And then if China accepted this, then they would go one step further and say, open a representative diplomatic office in Taiwan, which, as, as which um, uh, Lithuania has already done on the U.S.'s behalf. It's, it's a way of, of progressive creating of political facts on the ground. And China has wised up to it at this point. Now, now Mark, some people are openly questioning how wise it is for the U.S. to open up, as it were, a second front with China while the Russia-Ukraine thing is going on. But I would argue there's actually arguably three or four fronts right now. The one I'll mention briefly in passing is Iran, and we can come back to that. But explain, the other front I see is oddly Kosovo. It seems to me like things are opening up in Kosovo. Can you explain what's going on there a little bit, Mark? Yeah, that's not really a front. That's more a little sideshow that the U.S. has been uh, kicking off there, uh, uh, mostly to to antagonize Russia and to punish Serbia for not uh, following Western sanctions against Russia. Um, and and the deal uh, there is, of course, is that Kosovo was or is part of Serbia, depending on your thing. And NATO invaded and carved it off and put the Kosovo, the ter- what they had previously recognized as a terrorist group, the Kosovo Liberation Army, um, uh, in charge of this little NATO protectorate there. Um, in the northern area of Kosovo, particularly in an area known as Mitrovica, there is a Serbian majority still. Uh, a lot of Serbs were were basically ethnically cleansed, driven out of uh, Kosovo, but there in this northern area there still is. Um, they don't recognize, of course, the government of Kosovo, the U.S backed government there is having authority over them. Well, right after their visit to Washington, they started enacting a policy whereas they no longer recognize, as they had previously agreed to do, the identity documents, license plates of the Serbian um, uh, residents of you know, Kosovo for the half of the world that recognizes it. Um, and they were going to basically use it to, to, you know, as another measure to drive more Serbs out of the area. And uh, Serbia uh, basically gave their intention to respond uh, if the uh, Kosovar Albanian uh, military forces uh, started, uh, you know, uh, further atrocities uh, to enforce this against the people in northern Kosovo. For the moment, it appears to have been backed down, but it is only a 30-day reprieve that the KLA regime in Pristina has agreed to delay the implementation of these new identity uh, document laws by another 30 days. 
No, I agree with you that it's a sideshow. But uh, a lot of these sideshows, I think, have potentially, and thinking of the situation with Lithuania and Kaliningrad, yep. where that situation was a sideshow, but it had a potential to blow up into something bigger. Is this a situation, it's Kosovo like Kaliningrad, and a situation with Lithuania, yeah. where it could potentially blow up? Yeah, something bigger. I think Are- that there is a couple of situations around the Russian periphery where it's not enough for the U.S. to put a stick in Zelensky's hand and go tell him to poke the bear. He says, well, there's this little bear cub down here in Transnistria and Moldova, and there's this other little bear cub yes. over here in uh, uh, Serbian majority uh, northern Kosovo slash, you know, Serbia, for those of you who recognize that Kosovo is not an independent country, and the same thing in Kaliningrad. They're trying to destabilize this whole thing. I think it is a terribly insane policy to try to be destabilizing all of these periphery uh, disagreements at the same time as they are in a proxy and economic war with Russia in Ukraine and uh, poking Iran and uh, provoking China at the same time. I I think they're insane. I I think uh, I'm not the only one. I mean, Take a look at the, the, the most storied living international relations uh, scholar in the United States, the realist John Mearsheimer. You know, he's quite clear that the U.S. has created this entire situation. They're entirely responsible for it. And he thinks it's also insane and suicidal. Uh, even Henry Kissinger. Well, let's talk about you, Iran. Yeah. You, you mentioned Iran, and that's the other situation. Because Donald Trump pulled out of the nuclear treaty. The JCPOA, yep. Right, yes. Because he did that, we can't get back in it. And at first it looked like Biden would would get us back in that deal well, we, on general we, principle we could. of doing the opposite. They would just have to uh, withdraw the sanctions that they have since put back on Iran in contravention to that treaty, but they are unwilling to do that. Right. So so it's very clear that the Biden administration has no intention of getting back in no. that, right? Yes. Yes, I, I think but it's perfectly it clear. And so the fact that Trump pulled out of it works for them because Trump did the work that they didn't want to do. I don't think the Biden administration would have pulled out of it, but I don't think that they care that Trump did. Yeah. Do you agree with me, Mark? There there were a lot of Democrats that were eh on on the idea of this joint comprehensive plan of action and wanted to keep room for military options open because the US uh tripod for hegemony uh in the Middle East depends on its relationships with Saudi Arabia and Israel both who are avowed foes of Iran and both who want to see a uh, a U.S. more assertively taking military action against Iran. Um, so there are, you know, plenty of Democrats who d- did not fully support. 
the JCPOA, uh, but went al- along with it because it was supposedly Obama's signature foreign policy legacy. Uh, but once Trump got rid of it, yeah, I, I don't think Biden has ever been serious about reentering it. And the U.S. is lecturing, as we're good at doing, Iran on nuclear weapons. And it seems to me that the U.S. is the only country with nuclear weapons that has used them. Yeah, that, Am I missing that, something in history no, there? No, that, that is an un, uh, incontrovertible uh, historical fact, yes. There, there, there's no question about that. But we're lecturing Iran not to do anything provocative. And I heard that on the news today. It's stunning. Yeah. But where do you think where do you think that's going to go, Mark? I, you know, when the U.S. is a big energy producer, right? Particularly due to fracking, but it is an even bigger energy consumer, where it still imports oil and gas, right? Despite everything that it produces. Um, and right now there is a global energy crisis, right? Uh, in in part uh, because of U.S. Uh, sanctions uh, on Russia, basically trying to cut, you know, uh, uh, the world's uh, uh, biggest gas and uh, you know uh, number one or number two in oil production out of the global market. The U.S. has and that's Mark. Mark, that's the last point I actually want to bring up with you. It seems to me that in regards to German energy, Russia now has a policy. It seems to me, tell me if you think it's right or wrong, of not saving Germany from its own stupidity. Yeah, there, there. If, 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 yeah, go ahead, Mark. Russia is throttling down on energy uh, supplies to Germany and the rest of Europe and saying that the problem is because of sanctions. Um, that, that, of course, is more a response than an excuse, but, but that's what they're using. But when you're the U.S. and you have tried, you have sanctions on all of the major oil exporting countries in the world, Right. You you have sanctions on Russia. You have sanctions on Iran. You have sanctions on Venezuela. And then Biden has soured the longstanding U.S. relationship with Saudi Arabia on top of that. That is why Americans are paying what they are at the pump. And it is entirely due to Biden, but also decades of U.S. uh, aggravating hegemonic foreign policy leading up to this, and it is stupid foreign policy. Right. And it's going to prove to be even more stupid this winter in Germany, correct, Mark? Um, Yeah. Germany has already announced the creation of public heating spaces where people will be able to come and get warm. So that's why you can say with great certainty, we know what's going to ha- actually happen in Germany this winter because they've already started steps. Yeah. At, at the very least, we're going to see German industry, large sectors of the German industrial sector shut down. That will, that will be the very least. Poland is advising its citizens to collect firewood off the forest floor. That sounds very nice. Now, Mark, great appearance as usual. Mark Sabota, straight out of Moscow. Carmine, 
Great appearance by Mark, eh? Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're talking to Carmine Shavia on a Carmine Monday. And we'll be joined later in the hour by Tyler Nixon. That's all coming up on The Backstory. second hour on the Monday edition, a Carmine Monday edition of The Backstory. So Carmine, did you learn anything from Mark Sabana? I did. I like listening because I don't know a lot about, you know, all the geopolitical stuff in Ukraine and, and Russia. I only pretty much know what I hear from you and what I see on TV, which contradict each other. So I always like to hear other people's thoughts and, and, and insight, you know. But well, I have, I have because a it's to read good. To it. Yeah, go go ahead. Do you think we're intentionally trying to provoke some kind of major war? I think some elements in the government are obviously. Now, because I, I think I there are some very, very hawkish elements who would like to see a war and test out our weapons. Is That's that what, what it's I think. about, really? For some of them, yes. Some people are, I'll put it like this. The fact that they are playing uh, what happens in case of a nuclear war ad in New York. You saw that, right? Oh, yeah. I live in New Jersey. It's huge. That's scary to see. Yes. So they, they, somebody produced that ad about what to do in case of a nuclear war. And they like the fact that they produced that ad. They're thrilled by that. Does that make sense? It does. A little th- thrill runs up the leg. Now, joining us this hour is our friend Tyler Nixon. And Carmine, what is the name of the show? This is The Backstory. Okay, let's get the calls. 202-521-1320. Tarif. Thanks for waiting. What's on your mind? Yeah, thank y'all for taking my call. Um, first, I'd like to say free drilling and signs. I have um, three comments. The first comment is just they had a raid in Florida, the um, People Liberation uh, Socialist Party. They um, um, they kicking they kicked down the door and tried to say that they was working with the Russians because they was asking for re- reparations what happened to African-Americans. And because the FBI, you know, did that, now, basically, now you made them image more, you know, they increased the image. Now, what they can do, they can go around the world talk about different things, dealing with the struggle or dealing with, um, you know, Africa, Central and South America, and things of that nature. And also be surprised, nations might let them speak at the U.N. U.S. is just... They're losing their mind. They're losing a the narrative, you know. The, the second comment, the, uh, uh, from what I understand, Serbia and Kosovo. Well, let me just interrupt you there, Tarif. That situation, Caleb Maupin, who we've had on the show many times, has commented on that a little bit. 
and the fact that the FBI raided them. And that I'll put it like this. The fact that they're implying now that reparations is an official position of the Russian government. That's what they're implying. And it's bizarre. But do you find that a little weird, Tarif, that they're saying Russia cares about reparations that much? Russia care. I don't think Russia cares that much about it. It was just, uh, uh, they, they were saying that because they brought it up in 2019 and that it was it was interfering in elections. So they're trying to tie it to the election. And I'm a, I forgot his name. Um, Amalati, uh, I ain't pronounce his name right, the leader of the movement, said they had no, no ties to no Russians dealing with that, even though he'd been a Russian in 2014. But it wasn't no conspiracy or anything like that. He was just talking about reparations, trying to bring and furthermore, uh, since I'm Russian affiliated media, according to Twitter, I should point out that I am against reparations and have spoken about it several times on this show. So apparently I did not get the memo from Vladimir Putin that's an official position for pushing reparations. That's because there's no official position. So that's worth pointing out. But go on, Tarif. I just wanted to point point that out. What, what other point were you making? Okay. Um, Serbian and uh, Kosovo was on the edge of fighting, but right now the head's cool down for at least a month right now. Um, we got all this um, tensions burning up over the world. And my last comment, I got to finish this. Pelosi is going to Ukraine. I mean, Taiwan. It just came out today. So tomorrow morning, our time, Eastern Time and Central Time, Pelosi should be arriving in Taiwan, 2200, which is um, 10 o'clock tomorrow time, right? This is going to happen. This is my opinion. Kind of all these speculations coming out that if Pelosi land or try to land, uh, if U.S. aircraft is fly, uh, following the aircraft, Pelosi aircraft, they would be shot at or maybe even shot down. So if that happens, then a war would start, right? So you will have a war between U.S. and China, directly war, direct war, no in-betweens, and the price of cargo that's coming to the United States and petroleum that's coming to the United States will skyrocket because insurance on those ships will go up, right? And you will have, it'll be hard-pressed to look for crews to jump on the ships to bring that cargo and petroleum to the United States or even to the China. So you will have a war where you see every once in a while a tanker might go up in smoke. Nobody would know. Now, let me ask you a question, Carmine. Do you think Nancy Pelosi, on her way into a country she's not welcome in, is about to be a victim of human trafficking? Do you think so, Carmine? <laughs> Uh, is she a victim of human? At her own hands, yes. Self-human trafficking? I don't want to think about I don't that. Know how much, I mean, I don't know. You know, a couple of weeks ago, she had that 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 uh, that picture. You know, and maybe she's trying to sell something that I don't think anybody wants to buy. China is offering Nancy Pelosi free ground transportation in the back of a very hot truck. 
Now, that is completely tasteless on their part, due to tragedy we had here recently. And I, I, I resent what China's doing. But they're saying she'll be kept cool because they're going to give her one of those little fans. You, you seen oh, that? Oh, man. Brutal. I agree. China, very bad taste. But... Uh, Tarif, anything else? Great call as usual. Yeah, yeah, yes. I have to finish that part. The price of fuel was skyrocketed to $8, $10, maybe $12 a gallon throughout the nation. Even though the United States will be mad with China, but at the same time, when people go to that pump and go to Walmart and see the price of those clothes and shoes and, and, and uh, fuel, people will get upset and look at Biden, the Biden administration again. So if they're trying to do this to try to win, in November, it might backfire. We might have a lot of casualties on our side. Chinese going to have a lot of casualties. Nobody's going to win with this. The price of fuel going to skyrocket throughout the world. So we're all going to suffer. Thank you all for taking my call. Great call, Tarif. Thanks for the call. Take care, bro. And any thoughts, Carmine? I just I, I still have my mind on, on this China situation. That was messed up, what you said about, because after the thing that happened with the illegal immigrants in the back of the truck here, now, that's messed up. So, so the question is, who benefits from this? And the answer is someone. You have to look at this situation and point out that always someone is profiting from this situation. And I don't know who is profiting in this China situation, but hurting China's economy obviously benefits someone's economy. And I don't know who, but the Biden administration, Joe Biden and his son Hunter have obviously benefited massively. They've been getting payoffs from the Chinese government I, I would say, would you say that there's any doubt that the Biden family benefits somewhere down the road? Carmine. I almost expect it, to be honest with you. I almost expect it. The first thing I want to see is, like, what are Hunter's dealings there? Exactly right. And we're sure there are some. But uh, 202-521-1320. Let's go to Owl Killer. Owl Killer, what is on your mind? Isn't uh, doesn't somebody's wife um, own a shipping company in Taiwan that does major business with China? I think he's a, he's the uh, Senate Minority Leader. What's his name again? Oh yeah, Mitch McConnell. Okay. Obviously, I, I was uh, being facetious with uh, what's his name, but um, of course, people are better from it. But, you know, who I really think benefits from it is um, this is a way to artificially, like, God forbid a war does break out. This is a way to artificially rewrite the system. Now you got two excuses. you got Ukraine and you got, uh, you got the China situation. Now, you're, you've already seen, already seen, now granted, it was an eight-year uh, time period between when we had our politicians going over to Ukraine and when a war actually kicked off. But you've already seen how that you've already seen how belligerent behavior like that has resulted in a war. Now, gr I granted, I think that if Hillary Clinton had won, we would have, this war would have happened 
around 2016, 2017. Um, I, I just don't, the, what, you know, what is the idea of, like, what signal are you sending? So China and Taiwan, obviously, they're, they, as of right now, it's so far right now, it's been peaceful. But what is the purpose of going to Taiwan? And it can only be to stir up an issue, and the only and that creates another boogeyman for you to have. But I, the, the real question the American people should be asking is, what got say say China does respond militarily? What are you? What are we going to do? Absent nuclear weapons, what are you going to do if China sends two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand troops over there? What are you going to do? There is no response. And this empire business has backed us into a corner where if you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And, you know, in a in a large scale. Well, I'll go. Let me stop for one second. I'll go a little further than that. But just ignore the military aspect. Just what are the ramifications of entering a financial war with China, of of dealing with massive embargoes or sanctions with China, I would would argue it will be much more severe than Russia. And Russia, what we've seen is the economic war with Russia has not worked out well for America or Europe. And the China situation is a much harsher economic war. Would you agree with that, Alcala? No, definitely. And it, but that, that's that's a, that's along the lines of where I was going. Yeah, I'm going like worst case scenario. But no, the financial implications are are catastrophic for us. And you know, we've been we have been failed by our leaders that put us in a situation where they went around in the '90s and decided that they were going to deindustrialize us. And if China cuts us off, you know, absent some type of Manhattan Project to get us back, like. To get us where we need to be, you know, we're we're done, and you, the resources will run out quick. You saw you saw what happened with COVID, um, and I think that it's. I really think that they want they need an excuse. They need something to blame on what is inevitably coming financially for us. So let me talk about the one of the psychological problems that we're not going to come back from. I think one of the problems is that we've moved away from an industrial economy in the United States. And a lot of people, what's not going back are people who want to work at a factory job. It now seems like it's beneath Americans. Do you want to work in a factory job, Carmine? Never know. I mean, it's, listen. Or do you want your children to? Think about that. Do you want your friends to? It's a noble profession. They work hard, but no. Yeah, but I can say that about a lot of things, but it's not a job of the future. It's obvious that a lot of Americans have moved away from ever wanting to work in an industrial job. Do you agree with that? 100%. I think people, the industrial revolution is over. And now they're trying to start a green revolution, which is ridiculous in and of itself on its face. But I think that's that's why they're trying to uh, replace it. And if factories are closed and left, right, and center, 
you know, that used to be a job where you can, you know, put in your 25, 30 years and retire with a pension and it's gone. Yes. And, and that's what I'm saying. Psychologically, the idea that, cause first off, you won't be able to put in your 25 or 30 years. Everybody knows it's a sucker's game at this point to work in a factory job. Long-term, it's not going to work out well for you or your family. Is my suspicion, do you think it's true, Carmine? Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, my- I do. So, Al Keller, go ahead with what you're saying. So, no, so I agree with Carmine's point that, you know, it's the green revolution, but it doesn't have to be. And obviously, the... The 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 the, one, the the real one percent the people the people that are making the because granted as our wages decline they're making record profits Amazon companies like that Apple Google they make they make or Amazon uh, um, Apple Microsoft they make record profits so you pay people fifty bucks an hour they will work in a factory so that the, it's been a it's been a it's been sucking the wealth. It's that sucking sound that Ross Perot talked about. So the money is being made. It's just that they have bribed our politicians to look the other way. It doesn't have to. We can industrialize again in this country and make stuff and pay people living wages. The, the wages coming down is due to the basically slave labor. It, it, all, the, all these major great fortunes are made off of exploiting other people's labor. And that's where the left really does have a point is that, you you know, as these people are making astronomical uh, profits and they can't just take their money, they, and and go do something with it. They want to control our lives. And that's where they're getting, that's where they're meeting the resistance is that they're making the the record profits, but they just can't stay on their Island. They, they have to run our lives and tell us what to do. Well, Al Keller, let me, let me point out this. That is the problem with industrialization. And I think, for instance, on the farms, we don't need to go from industrialization to a different form of industrialization. We need to go to a different metaphor. We need to go to the thing that they got rid of in the past few decades was small farms. Yes. Small farms. They replaced them with big industrial farms and big food. Big food production has killed because what they don't want is people who are independent, people who can take care of themselves. So they've got a lot of these smaller farms, these five, 10 acre farms, they've killed them. And they're now the big industrial farms that people like Bill Gates own. And that's because they're industrial farming. Does that make sense, Carmine? It, well, it does. It was done by design. Yes. Farming. Go. When's the last time you seen a, a local owned uh, drugstore or hardware store? It's everything. It's chains, and they. Got I have, have a local drugstore. You you may be the, the, right. one of a few of us because I I haven't seen a local one in about twenty years. No, you're Dwayne, right, and. Yes, and that's what they're actually pushing both sides towards. 
and and people they get people on the right to defend it somehow because they confuse industrialization with capitalism with what, what people on the right like people i know on the right actually prefer small business is that your experience carmine they don't ex they're not defending big giant you know box big box retailers they're not actually defending home depot they prefer small mom and pop hardware or something like that does that make sense carmine most people i know on the Absolutely. right prefer small business to big business i know i do i know i do you, you get uh, more attentive care also it helps stimulate the economy more because the money trickles down more than the wealthy at the top keeping 95% of it and then trickling down 5% among the peasants. Exactly right. And so what you're seeing is a lot of people on the right defending something they, they don't actually want to defend. Their job is not to defend industrial capitalism. It's to defend small business and freedom. The other thing that it, it, a person who owns the local hardware store can provide a living wage for themselves and their families and their employees because a big box, a, a store like Home Depot or something like that, those are cookie cutter jobs. Does that make sense, Carmine? Carmine? Did I get, did I, am I on mute? I can hear you now. But do you agree that the jobs that are provided by big box stores, such as Home Depot, aren't the kind of jobs that are a career? Does that make sense? Well, the sad part, yeah, the sad part is that it used to be, though. There used to be a time where that could be a career, and that time, unfortunately, is is long since past. Okay. So yeah, no, I, I agree right now because right now, yeah, they can't be a career. And I I even don't think that the goal is actually that kind of economy. I think what a lot of people on the right really like is entrepreneurship and small companies that we. This, we like this gig economy that's going on right now. I think that's a great economy. Yeah. Because it gives people you more freedom. Yeah, people are in control. Yeah. Now, now, what is on your mind, Carmine? When you look at the news cycle now, what is exciting to you? What is a big deal to you? Uh, you know, right now, this monkeypox thing is bothering me. What this bothering you in what, what way? You're, you don't want to catch it? Well, I'm not going to catch it because I'm pretty sure there's a real easy way to avoid it. Um, but that's what drives me nuts. Because I look at it and, you know, look, I believe that a large portion of people on the left, and I'm talking about people in power, like not 
not so much the everyday, you know, leftist that's walking around among us, but the people in in the in the higher positions on the left. I believe the goal is now and has always been the moral degradation of society. So I want to. So I was going to send this tweet earlier, and I just didn't because I was busy today. But I want to point out something. Did you hear about this? It's actually called Kink Fest or something like that that's going on in San Francisco. Did you hear about it? No, I did not, but I'm worried. Well, let me regale you with what this is, apparently. Apparently, this is some kind of event where LGBTQ people get together for a few days and it's orgy time. Okay. And they said, well, we're not going to cancel it, even with monkeypox. Now, here's what I don't see right now, Lee. I don't see Dr. Wait, Fauci hey, on television. Come on, hang on one second. Let's take a short sure. break now. Let's go to the double break. And when we come back, we'll talk about it because we don't have Tyler today. I just got word Tyler Nixon cannot join us. So we could be talking Aww. about this for a little while. It's nothing personal. Don't, don't take it hard. Carmine. But uh, when we come back from a short break, let's talk more about monkeypox and take your calls. 202-521-1320. It's the backstory. back in the backstory and on the radio on 105.5 FM AM 1390 in the Empire of Lies, Washington, D.C. So, Carmine, we were talking about monkeypox and what I don't get about it, I don't understand who it's helping. They seem to be denying there's a a gay and bisexual man's it is spread by people having sex with men. They are, they are, they are absolutely in denial about this. But here's the thing. Here's my issue. Okay, they're doing this kink fest in San Francisco, and you're not going to see anybody on TV saying they shouldn't do this. This is a super spreader event. Lee, if you and I got together for lunch and didn't wear our masks. We would be ridiculed. We would be ostracized. We would be told how evil we are and how bad we are. But they will not. But oh, you're, but, you're, but you're baby. saying, but you're saying that if we go to lunch, we should have an orgy. Then, right, Carmine? They wouldn't have an issue with that, is what I'm saying. Okay, so you're not suggesting it over. A I'm not sandwich. suggesting. They would. I'm not. I'm absolutely not suggesting that, but. What I'm saying is they would have no issue with it, but apparently, you know, if you wear a mask, you're going to get, if you don't wear a mask, you're, 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 you're evil. Okay. But they will not say to these people, Hey, and I'm not even saying, Hey, stop being gay. Obviously, you know, I'm not here to judge people, you know, on what they on what they do and, and, and they're like, that's, that's between them and God. 
Okay, I'm not here to judge anybody. But what I'm saying to you is they are loath to tell these people, hey, if you're going to be gay and have gay relations, maybe don't be promiscuous. But they 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 well, refuse well, to let, say let that. Let me point out. Let me point out that your specific because it's an old joke. I like. Uh, people said that AIDS was a gay disease, but the lowest percentage of people who had it were lesbians. So therefore, lesbians were God's chosen people in when it came to AIDS because they had the lowest figure. So when you're saying homosexuals. It's not all homosexuals. It's a bigger percentage of men. It's homosexual who are males. Sex. It's males. Right. Right. Correct. Am I correct? It, it's gay. It's, it is gay men. Right. And bisexual men. And it's not mean. I'm not saying who I want to have it. I'm saying factually. No. In the same way that if I say sickle cell, African Americans suffer from sickle cell anemia more than white people. That's not racist. That's a warning to someone that you may, you know, do you see what I'm saying? It's not harmful or, or biased to tell you if there was a disease that affected white people more, for instance, managed immune syndrome, something like that, something where you're more likely to get it when you're white. And I'm sure there are some diseases. It is not racist to say that. It's just factual. No, there are there are right? there, right, are, there are some diseases. There are some diseases that you can get um more if you're black. There's some diseases. I know there's um oh gosh, I forget the name of it. Uh some kind of anemia that you can get if you're if you're Italian. You know, and I, I think I can still say this, but this could get us banned on YouTube. Women who have a uterus are at higher risk for getting pregnant, and therefore well, triggering Roe versus Wade. So I'll take it for a uh, a little further. Only women have a uterus. I'm offended. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the I'm sorry that reality offends you. So with this monkeypox thing, why what is the logic behind hiding who's more likely to get it? What's the logic there, Carmine? I mean, you're asking me to read the minds of people that make no sense, and I don't know the yeah. answer to your question. I don't yeah, I don't know the answer to your question, Lee. What I'm saying to you is and I, and I think we're in agreement here. What is the damn logic? <laughs> what is it? Because you're not helping. You're certainly not helping them. Right. No, no. And if I'll we're all about further, the science, though. if we're all about the well, science, if the science says this group is affected more, that's pro-science, correct, Carmine? No, I'll, yeah. And, I'll, and, and sir, I'll take it a step further, if I may. Um, not only that, okay, but again, the, the reality situation is, okay, there's a state of emergency about this in New York and San Francisco. I don't know. Color me shocked. 
I can't tell you how stunned I was, Lee, to hear that this particular disease is a little more prevalent in San Francisco. I was shocked. Now, what do you think accounts for that? Be careful. Gosh. Go ahead, Carmine. It's so hard to it's it's just so hard to, to, to pinpoint it. I, 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 I if I was on CNN, I would have to make believe that I don't know what could possibly account for such a thing. Is it the larger demographic of people who own village people posters? It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. It could it could be I don't know. Can I say this? If there was something going around, you know, that was just affecting Trump supporters, they'd say that. Now, what do you think of the the January sixth hearings? Because I've been talking about this. I, I want to just want to say one thing real quick too. There's a friend of yeah, mine sure. who's a, a gay gentleman. A friend of mine who's a gay gentleman. He posted a video on TikTok, and he also posted a tweet on Twitter, and he basically said what I'm saying. Stop being promiscuous. There's a way. It's This is not like COVID. You get COVID because you breathe. Well, everybody breathes. There's a way to avoid this. And nobody is saying the words to people. Nobody is saying to them, Lee, hey, you know what? Stop doing this. And you're going to be a lot safer. It's not a pandemic because it's easily avoidable. It is easily avoidable. This is not a tough one to avoid. Now, and 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 I guess that's true. And it makes some sense because the problem with promiscuity in general is if you've got any nasty things going on down there, you know what I'm saying? They're they're more likely to spread if you're promiscuous, and I heard that. Given rumor. the, I I don't see what's controversial about it. Also, do you, Carmine? I don't think it's a, no, I I don't, and I also don't think it's a state of an emergency or a global health crisis, as they're saying, or a, a global pandemic. When it's not even it's not deadly. It's killed three people worldwide. It's this is not a deadly. It's like it's like chickenpox. It's not deadly. And I also don't care if, if someone comes out and says, avoid this activity if you want to or not. Do whatever you want. Because let me point out that a lot of – do you know what causes a lot of broken legs every year? Carmine, do you know what causes a lot of broken legs? Skiing. Uh, falling down the stairs? Yeah, and skiing. If people didn't okay. ski – or ride motorcycles, they would break the legs less. Agreed? Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Therefore, if you want to avoid breaking a leg, don't ski. Don't engage in that activity. That's not being biased against someone. If you like skiing, do that. And so understand that if you pursue a more risky sexual lifestyle for fun if what you like engaging in is sexual activity that 
gives you a higher percent chance of getting some diseases. Either deal with it or don't. But not mentioning that, imagine if mentioning that skiing causes your leg to be broken. Imagine if that got you thrown off Twitter or thrown off social media. You can't mention it because it's biased against <laughs> skiers. You see my point, Carmine? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's stupid. Well, we're, we're, we're being run by stupidity. You know it and I know it. We're, we're being run by stupidity. So speaking of stupidity, what do you think of the January 6th hearings? And what do you think <laughs> of the fact that Brian... Uh, I forget his last name. I want to say Talbot. The the FBI agent who kept Hunter Biden's laptop from being investigated is the same one, the same FBI agent who gave the Steele dossier the thumbs up. Did that shock you, Carmine? No, not at all. Listen, oh, it's so corrupt. It's so corruptly. It's so corrupt. And and, 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 and and did you hear about this? This broke during our show today. Uh, but uh, Guy Reffitt uh, got the longest January 6th sentence today, to date. Uh, never even entered the Capitol. Got seven years in prison. Yes. For, for what? Uh, for inciting a riot or... I'm looking for the exact charge here. Uh, he was he tried I'm not to sure form if this the Capitol. I think he also was charged with felony being a Republican. He had a gun on him, but he never actually got into the Capitol. Uh, the judge did deny the Justice Department's request for a terrorist enhancement that would have actually given him a lengthier prison sentence. Because he's obviously a terrorist who didn't use his gun. He's that kind of terrorist, I mean, right? I, I mean, yeah. Uh, and he was, here's his convictions. He was convicted of, I'm trying to find out, uh, including illegal transport of a firearm in support of civil disorder and obstruction of an official proceeding. Even now, though it says, even though, even though he did not make it inside the Capitol or use physical violence because he was eventually incapacitated after charging the police line. I'm waiting for people to be charged who just thought about going. You know, you know what I'm saying? I'm waiting for people who went on Expedia or whatever and maybe looked at booking a room and didn't go, decided against it. But I think merely thinking about going should get you arrested. What do you think, Carmine? I didn't catch that. Doing what? I think merely thinking about going. The people who thought about Absolutely. going but didn't go committed a dangerous offense. Those are thought crimes. Absolutely. Right. Now, seriously, what do you think of this? Because the or or the Ray Epps situation, the fact that Ray Epps 
was made out in the New York Times to be a hero, a victim, because people have been mean to him. And they're still you not know, prosecuting this man. What do you think about that, Carmine? I think I think he was an agent because why are they still not arresting this this man? Still not been prosecuted. What's going on? He was he hasn't even been asked decent questions in front of the January sixth. He should absolutely be testifying. Do you agree? This guy should be testifying in front of a January sixth hearing. If it's a proper How hearing, is it possible? we need he's to not, hear from Ray He's the only person that we know for a fact, for a fact, was 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 engaging in trying to start a riot. And uh, unlike with the New York Times, the New York Times said he urged people to go to the Capitol. That is a lie. He urged people to go into the Capitol. He said it as clearly as possible. You've seen the video, right, Carmine? I watched it, yes. Ray Epps said, we have to go inside the Capitol. And despite him being on video saying that, the New York Times said he urged people to go to the Capitol. That is not what he did. Right, Carmine? That is not what he did. He was urging people to go in the Capitol for an insurrection. So why does, didn't the New York Times say that? Why did the New York Times say that he told people to go to the Capitol? Why, Carmine? <laughs> I don't know, Lee, but I, I have an idea that perhaps, just perhaps, he was working for the federal government. And the fact that they were saying, the fact that they're covering up what he did, and I don't know how else to say it, this is a blatant as cover-up as you can imagine. Right. They're covering up what he said. They're lying about what he said in the pages of The New York Times. And still a week and later, and tell it me, is uncorrected. Explain to, me, explain to me why Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger are not interested in this. Right. They well, should be calling for the these answer. guys. And did anything that Steve Bannon did. I mean, James Clapper didn't lied in front of lied and testimony in front of Congress, lied about our national security situation. Clapper did that. Do you remember that? I do. I do. But I would say lying to Congress should be worse than not appearing. Do you agree? Well, one would think that. One would think that, I mean, they're going to try and put Steve Bannon in jail, which is, is psychotic. And do you think they're going to try to put Trump in jail? That's the open question. And I've asked you before. Yes. But are you coming yes. around to the idea that Trump is going to be indicted? Yes, he's going to be indicted. Absolutely, he's going to be indicted. Absolutely. Now, I didn't think so, but I do now. Yeah, because... It's obvious what they're what turned your your opinion on that, Carmine. Uh, when when Garland said they were investigating him at that point, that that's just a matter of time now. That's just a matter of time now. I didn't think they'd want to set that precedent. Now, what do you think the people's reaction is going to be when Trump gets indicted? Now, think it through. 
because I, there's going to be multiple reactions. Most people I know won't do anything, but do you think that's going to spur some people to action? Do you but think, I think so, Carmine? Think that I, I think yes. I think if you think that 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 um, January six was something, that's that's beyond January six. But I'm willing to bet Liz Cheney won't say anything about that, right? Liz Cheney is uh, going to lose. Not. By the way, they had a big oh, New York Times story about she she's very unpopular in Wyoming. Yeah, go ahead, Carmine. She has no chance. She has no chance, bro. Yes, and I they love every every couple of days. Everything they put out about Marjorie Taylor Greene is negative. Yes. She's, she's someone I've come around to quite a bit. I realize that every time I hear Marjorie Taylor Greene say something, I agree with it. Every time she says something, it doesn't sound that ma- maniacal to me. What do you think of Mar- no. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Carmine Savio? I, I like what do you her. Think of- I like her. I like her, but I, I would like to think that there's there's certain things I wish she didn't say, such as. I mean, she said some dumb things. She's just she said some dumb things, and she's I also don't made some. You, but but name one. Gosh, I mean, I off the top of my head, I can't the the the, the Nazi stuff. Um, you know about the Holocaust, I, and I can't remember her exact words, but there, there's. There's been a few times where I shook my head and like, oh, geez, you know, maybe you shouldn't have said that. Or when she messes up a word, because you can't let me tell you something. You could you could trip down the flight of stairs on your words like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. But if you misspell something as a Republican, that will trend on Twitter. So you got to like triple check what you write. And I'm just saying I find it interesting that you can't think of anything specific. Don't you a little bit think about it? No, because there was nothing there was nothing horrible, you know what I'm saying? But there were things right. where I was like, uh, you know, and it's kinda like Trump when Trump was in office. There were things where I was like, nah. you know, there's a better way to say XYZ, you know. But on Trump like I still have a problem with him shooting missiles into Syria. That was my problem. I'm still problem for me that Julian Assange was taken from the Ecuadorian embassy and that Trump did not pardon Assange. So I have problems about very specific things. Whoa, but I think the larger kills, breaking United States kills Al-Qaeda leader, Al-Qaeda leader al-Zawahiri in drone strike in Afghanistan. Well, I'm in favor of that. Me too. Because I know. But we'll talk about that. And depending on how they did, did it, I'm a little worried about a drone strike. A little worried because we've accidentally killed charity workers and their children. I am against drone strikes in general, in general. Yeah, but that just came in? That just came in. So, Rod, what we'll want to get, let's have a little show meeting. We'll want to get John Kiriakou 
to yes to, to talk about this tomorrow. So so Rod, see about that because John obviously was in the CIA and knows quite a bit about Zawahiri. But I wish I could just go, well, I'm sure the U.S. did the right thing. But at this point, I'm not sure the U.S. did the right thing. I can't take their word for it. I'd have to know more. Does that make sense, Carmine? I understand. I understand. I, I definitely want the evidence. Yes. And unfortunately, I'm at that point where I just need to know more about it. So we'll probably have John Kiriakou on the show tomorrow discussing that. But you're right, that is a big story. Now, with Marjorie Taylor Greene, I think there might be something where you've been convinced that she's obviously done something, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I, no, it's uh-huh. not an accusation. You you don't think so? No. Okay, go on, Carmine. No, I just think it's I just think it's the way she speaks sometimes. You know, just a lot of these people they they speak like a common person. You know, not like a politician. And sometimes people want that 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 smooth jazz of a politician. Now at this point, how is twenty twenty four looking to you, Carmine? If you had a bet. Who are going to be the Republican and Democrat candidates in 2024? Who's you bet money right can, now? If I had to bet money, yeah, uh, I would bet Trump in a landslide for the Republicans, unless they get an indictment and a conviction, uh, which frightens me. And you know, the Democrats is probably more in the air than the Republicans, man. The Democrats is probably more in the air than the Republicans. I think. I think unless they finally admit that Joe Biden has obviously mental difficulties, um, then I think that we're, uh, you know, I think we're going to get Biden. Well, I I don't see how they're going to avoid that. I think things with Biden are getting to a point. Let me ask this: What's going well for Biden? Can you name anything uh, that's going well for yes, Biden? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I understand. I, I have a good you. authority. I have a good authority that he's very regular. Too much information, Carmine. <laughs> you asked me what was going good for the man. I have a good authority. He's regular. And I'm skeptical in that. But <laughs> I think it's it's obvious that nothing is going well for Biden. Not foreign policy. Well, he's gonna, it looks not like he's going to pass policy. part of Build Back Better. You know, he's going to pass part of Build Back Better, it looks like. And so that's like a win for him. And, uh, you know, they had the infrastructure bill and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, Lee, you know and I know, when people go to the polls, they're not like, well, gosh, that infrastructure sure sounds nice. And, you know, we're going to build back. Better. They're looking at the gas tank. They're looking at the at the at the inflation. They're looking. At, I like a steak, Lee. I like a steak. And when I go to the store, and the steak is you know fifty percent higher than it was a few months ago, fifty percent higher. You know, I'm not happy about that. Well, in fact, it would be a better deal for you right now 
to fill your gas tank with steak than it would be with gas. <laughs> you know what makes me laugh too? And I always laugh at this. Well, gas has come down, you know, 60 cents. Yeah, but it went up $4. You know what I'm saying? And that's like going to a store like, hey, we got a, a 50% off sale. Yeah, but you raised stuff 150% two weeks ago. And I suggest That's the unleaded ribeye. Go for the unleaded ribeye. Unleaded ribeye. I love a good ribeye. Right. That's your best value in gas steak. In gas steak. Elon Musk, get going on that. And make sure Bill Gates doesn't beat you to it. Because it, he'll have a vegan car before you can say oh, Jack Spratt. Carmine, great show today. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure talking to you. You take care. Same here. What's your your focus? What's the next thing in writing, Carmine? Uh, We'll see what happens tomorrow, but I believe uh, I just heard um, from pretty good source that Pelosi's going to land in Taiwan tomorrow, so I think that'll be the hot story. Do you want to get over there to cover that? I'm not going to go there, no, but uh, I will cover it. Right. Stay off that plane, Carmine. That's my advice. But great show, uh, Carmine well, Savia on a Carmine Monday. And thanks so much to Mark Sabota. Always a great guest and always a great conversation. I'm Lee Stranahan. Come back tomorrow to get informed, smarter, and wiser on The Backstory. Backstory.